0: Welcome to the Adwoke Podcast. My name is Brett Craig, and here's my story. I'm a former chief creative officer that worked at two of the biggest ad agencies on the West Coast for some of the most famous brands in the world. About two years ago, I was canceled for a five year old casting email that someone posted on Instagram. I used some imperfect language, it was taken out of context, and it all happened in the middle of the racial tensions of 2020. The social media mobbing that ensued in the comment section below my email posted on Instagram caused me to lose my job and to be called some rather ugly names that I never thought I'd be called. Suddenly I went from the top of my career to no career at all, canceled. Even friends that supported me privately wouldn't come near me publicly. I'm a Christian and I do believe that God is working all things together for my good, but it was quite honestly one of the most devastating experiences of my life. But it was also strangely liberating. I woke up to a new world, full of uncertainty, but also full of opportunity. The opportunity to do something in short supply in the corporate world today. Tell the truth. I no longer had to be conflicted promoting ideas I don't agree with, and in these times of deceit, I counted a privilege to be able to speak honestly. That's what the AdWoke podcast is all about. I'm going to give it to you straight, we're going to occasionally laugh, and I'm going to say the things you're not allowed to say. Not because I just want to be provocative, although the truth is often provocative, but because I believe the truth will set you free. Welcome to the AdWoke Podcast. This is Brett Craig, and today I am going to skip my fake commercials and get right into it because I think this subject matter uh, is super important, and so I want to spend my time really fleshing it out. I want to talk today about DEI's anti-white problem, and specifically... It's increasing obsession with all things white. Uh, And this term we regularly hear in the corporate world lately, whiteness. Why are we constantly hearing about whiteness lately? What does whiteness mean exactly? And I wanna talk about why it's suddenly permissible to use racially loaded terms like this in corporations thanks to DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And I want to talk a little bit about why I believe this is really dangerous rhetoric. Uh, And finally, I want to call on corporate leaders and even employees of good conscience to summon the courage to speak out against this. It has been uh, not that long, really, since diversity, equity, and inclusion was introduced into the corporate world. Uh, During the George Floyd uh, BLM summer of unrest, uh, shall we call it, or otherwise known as riots, uh, DEI initiatives were suddenly put on blast uh, inside of corporations, and it was all corporations seemed to talk about. And in just a short amount of time since then, DEI seems to be evolving into a kind of corporate sanctioned bigotry towards white people. Now, we constantly are hearing talk of this problem known as whiteness in the culture. It's popping up everywhere. I see it in more and more places like on LinkedIn. Uh, whiteness slash white supremacy seemed to have its genesis, at least in my opinion, uh, during the riots of the summer of 2020 uh, in terms of entering the vernacular, right? That's when I started to hear prominent politicians talking about quote unquote white supremacy and white supremacy culture. And I was thinking, you know, at the time, what exactly are they talking about when they say white supremacy? Uh, are they talking about the KKK? Uh, you know, the you kind of have these images of those infamous evil sheets and torches uh, and even people like David Duke. Uh, surely they can't be talking about that because the notion of being a white supremacist in America today is one of the most repugnant repudiated things you can call someone in America no one wants to be associated with that gross fetid evil movement and in fact it's political suicide to get near near uh, neo-nazis or white supremacy movements or any individual that's affiliated with them and it's been that the case you know for 50 years right at least in America nobody wants to get near that Yet the culture keeps talking about white supremacy, uh, particularly those on the left of the political spectrum, Uh, like we're still living in the 1960s, Jim Crow South. Uh, And it's not just the academic left uh, that's saying these things, but uh, this idea of white supremacy, that it's everywhere, and that it's this huge problem in America right now. We see this idea being revived and mainstreamed as a key talking point in the Democrat Party. As an example, in June 2021, uh, President Biden said, uh, white supremacy is the most lethal threat to America. Uh, And in fact, it's the number one threat, according to the FBI, above uh, even Islamic jihad, I think. Uh, It's considered this massive threat, right? Uh, Again, when I heard that, it was like, what is he talking about? I mean, and the reason why I say that is because Barack Obama was a black president, and yet I don't remember him talking much about white supremacy or whiteness. But suddenly, these terms are everywhere. Was white supremacy not a problem when Obama was president? Or or perhaps it was uh, in hiding during his eight years, which is why Obama maybe didn't mention white supremacy much, if ever, I think. And if we are indeed a white supremacist nation, how did a black man manage to become president? I'm just asking questions here. Uh, In any case, what I'm getting at is why are we talking about white supremacy and whiteness so much all of a sudden? And again, this term whiteness seems to be gaining traction in the vernacular and it's showing up everywhere, particularly in places like LinkedIn, because it's being taught by diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants. So this idea of whiteness uh, is being injected into the veins of corporate America and being legitimized. Now, it started uh, when DEI folks told corporations across America as part of diversity, equity, and inclusion training that all white people possess this sort of magical superpower called white privilege, of course, right? And we were told that you have a pathology known as white fragility. If you disagree that all white people have white privilege. Uh, but we're also hearing lots of other racially loaded terms lately. We're told uh, that we need to decenter whiteness. And more recently, there's this new phrase that's popping up in the mouths of DEI consultants and in social media. Uh, it's this phrase, proximity to whiteness. Uh, and none of these references to whiteness sound good. Uh, whiteness sounds like a really bad deal. Uh, last week, I saw this post from the co-founder of Race to Dinner, Syra Rao, I hope I pronounced her name right, which really grabbed my attention on LinkedIn. Now, Race to Dinner is essentially a struggle session over dinner uh, where white women are invited to sit down with other anti-racist women and I believe a black woman will usually be present who will then proceed to tell uh, the white women how racist they are and basically mentally abuse them for a couple hours straight over some casserole. Uh, I even think it's been a show that's been featured on television. It's called Race to Dinner. It's basically a DEI struggle session over some din-din and some wine. In any case, Syra Rao, the co-founder of Race to Dinner, posted this uh, about whiteness. And she said this, and this was on LinkedIn just last week, quote, if your DEI work doesn't mention white supremacy culture, whiteness and white people, white people in all caps, by the way, You aren't doing the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You are doing the work of white supremacy. There's those words again, whiteness and white supremacy. And again, she writes white people in all caps. Now, again, it seems to me we've moved from teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion to outright disdain for white people themselves in a very short amount of time. Now, I've given this a lot of thought trying to understand what this new obsession with uh, this idea of whiteness is all about. Why is it becoming central to the progressive, woke left's worldview and narratives about America? Why are DEI consultants and diversity heads increasingly speaking constantly about whiteness? Glad you asked. I will attempt to unravel the mysteries of the woke mind in regards to these new racialized terms they are using more and more often and ever more boldly and loudly like Syrah Rao of Race to Dinner, which I believe that company should be called Race to Hatred. Now, uh, in my attempt to unravel this and unpack this term, I always want to be fair, so it's important to understand what this word whiteness means, not according to me, but according to the woke, because the woke are speaking a different language than you and I are. Words they say do not mean what normal sane people might think they mean. So I want to talk about what the woke mean when they say quote-unquote, whiteness. I also want to talk about whiteness is a very useful talking point for them. But before we can talk about that, I need to back up for a second to 30,000 feet, and we need to talk about what the radical left's objectives are. What does the radical left want in the United States? And then we can discuss how this concept of whiteness is being used to advance their narratives and objectives, even by people who are well-intentioned. And so, what do the radical woke leftists who have infiltrated corporations via DEI practices, what do they want? Other than to be highly annoying, politicize everything, and give you a second job, which is constantly talking about race and feeling bad about race. And, uh, Here's the answer. What do they want? The woke want to instigate a revolution in America. They want revolutionary change rather than incremental change. The woke radicals are not looking to preserve America's institutions. They believe them to be oppressive. America, you see, is the problem. Whether it's the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, our very traditions and customs, they want to overturn them. That's why you sense every American ideal, custom, and tradition is under attack all at once. From conceptions about what justice looks like, to our traditional understanding of what the family is, to our ideas about what fairness is or isn't, to things like our right to protect ourselves via the Second Amendment, right down to concepts about what a boy or a girl is, it's all being assailed everywhere in the country. All at the same time. And you know this, right? You can see it. You can feel it. You and I are living through a Marxist cultural revolution. Uh, Even the people that are trying to push this cultural revolution forward probably wouldn't even know it's a Marxist cultural revolution, but it is one. They have happened in many other countries. Mao's China, Stalin's Russia, Castro's Cuba, Chavez's Venezuela. And it is happening right here, right now in America as we speak. Revolutionary change was what defund the police was about. That's what the destruction of our border is about. The woke radicals want to overturn the American system by dismantling it and deconstructing it and then replacing it. And there's a very powerful elite political class. Uh, that have clearly captured America's institutional power, including corporations via DEI, uh, and they share this goal of radical transformation of the United States. In any case, that is what the woke leftists want. DEI is one of their fifth columns, I am convinced, as it were, uh, which helps instigate radical change in America because penetrating corporations, which are very powerful institutions in America, is vital if you want to overturn the current American system. But Brett, you say, what do DEI gurus and consultants talking to employees about quote unquote whiteness have to do with the radical left's desire to overturn the American system? Well, a lot, actually, because to achieve a revolution, you need to persuade Americans that we're in need of a revolution. Uh, that's why the woke always speak about problems. You notice that? This injustice, that injustice, inequity, unfairness, because if you want to blow the whole system up, if you want a cultural and political revolution, you need a very disgruntled and very disenchanted population, and as it turns out, making people super angry And ready for a revolution? Well, it turns out that's a hard ask in America. Why is that? Uh, Simply because the vast majority of Americans, well, they kind of like it here. Sure, America is not a perfect country, but. Name one better is kind of the attitude that Americans have. In other words, the American brand for all of its faults is a pretty powerful brand. Uh, And in fact, uh, this is affirmed by people from all over the world who want to live here. There's no mass migration leaving America to go to Canada, for instance, and people risk their lives to get here, even trying to get to America on makeshift rafts like the Cuban refugees do, for instance, because America is still admired and people still want to live here. That's why two to three million folks have illegally entered America just since Joe Biden became president, risking their lives to do so. They know life is better in America. They're not coming, by the way, because they want to live in a white supremacist country. They're not stupid. They're coming for a better life than they could ever have where they came from. So the radical woke neo-Marxist left, who again have seized our institutions and corporations via DEI initiatives, these folks are clever and understand that overtly hating on America is not a very persuasive argument. Sure, the young college wokesters will go along with hating America because they're indoctrinated children who don't know history. But the average American is not looking to blow the system up. So the radical left, which has, again, penetrated all institutions in America, it's taken them 80 years, but they've done so, including the Democrat Party, I will just say, I think they've gotten a hold of them, as Tulsi Gabbard even coming out today and walking away for that very reason from the Democrat Party might attest to. That radical left cannot come out and just be anti-American. That is a hard sell to the American people. They can't run on hating America, is my point. It's a losing argument. The Democrats can't run on that. So just being anti-American will not work for the radical left. It won't work. Uh, They need some sleight of hand, and they need a more persuasive argument than just anti-Americanism. So they've come up with this term, quote-unquote, whiteness which is both a reference to skin color, but also means the embracing of traditional American ideals and values, i.e. Americanism. See, they're not against America per se, is what they're kind of trying to do here. They're just against this American affliction called whiteness and all its pernicious manifestations like white supremacy and white privilege. And if you don't agree, you have white fragility. So when the woke DEI folks say whiteness, they really mean Americanism and not just white skin color. So to prove it, let's start with their definition of whiteness, because this is not my definition. Now, this is the explanation of whiteness from the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, which you pay for with your tax dollars. So lovely. Here's what the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture says about whiteness. Quote, white-dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people and their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. One more time, white dominant culture or whiteness refers to the ways white people in their traditions, attitudes, and ways of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. The Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture goes on to offer some examples of whiteness, and here are some of the examples. According to the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture, aspects of whiteness are the following, but not limited to, rugged individualism, emphasis on the scientific method, family structure, i.e. the nuclear family, work ethic, hard work is key to success, the sheet says justice based on English common law, following rigid time schedules, you know, being on time, respect for authority, politeness, competition, like striving to be number one. Now, do those values sound familiar? They should because they're just traditional American values. In other words, whiteness, according to the Smithsonian uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture, whiteness is just American values. And American values are whiteness. They're making sort of uh, uh, an equivalency here between the two things. Now, the Smithsonian National Museum of African and American History and Culture took these aspects of whiteness off their website not long after they went viral because it showed too much of their brief, as we used to say in advertising. And it revealed what's really behind this term whiteness, besides just flat-out racism. Uh, Like I said earlier, the woke left hates American values and wants to overturn them because they see them as part of sustaining and maintaining our supposedly oppressive American capitalist system, which every day, much to their consternation, reminds them and the world that Americanism actually works and works rather magnificently. Actually, so much so that tens of millions wish to come here and enjoy the system. And as I said, most Americans are generally contented living here. And that's a big problem for the radical leftists who wish to end America. But again, coming out directly against American values is a losing proposition, as I've already said. So instead, the woke neo-Marxists, many of whom pose as DEI teachers, are essentially arguing that these values like hard work, individualism, nuclear families, politeness, worship of a single god, that was on that sheet from the Smithsonian as well, that these values are really not American values per se, but are actually whiteness, white values and traditions that we have all internalized as normative, including, they say, even some people of color have done this. In other words, some people of color have embraced Americanism. But the woke and those DEI gurus don't want you to criticize people of color for that because then that would sound anti-American and reveal the progressive left's anti-Americanism. So instead, they argue that some people of color have embraced and internalized, yes, whiteness. And you can see why this is a really useful rhetorical sleight of hand. By shifting the argument from being against Americanism to being against whiteness, the woke left has now uh, created a very specious but very powerful emotional argument. Why is anti-whiteness a more powerful argument? Because they've shifted the conversation from being one about Americanism, i.e. American values, to being a conversation about racism. And the woke leftists who absolutely have infiltrated corporations via DEI initiatives, as I keep saying, and who have also captured another institution known as the Democrat Party, they love making every issue about race and racism. Just listen to the Democrat Party's rhetoric lately. Everything is about race 24-7. White supremacy is suddenly everywhere and the explanation for everything. Uh, Suddenly, even the climate problems are about race. We're told that uh, global warming disproportionately affects people of color. Even roads are racist, according to Pete Buttigieg. Look that up. I'm not joking. They managed even to turn COVID into a racist thing, and they kept talking about how it's affecting black people more, and that's because of racism. Everything's racist, uh, according to the Democrat Party. Uh, which is why Tulsi Gabbard, you might have noticed uh, just today on October 11th, announced she's leaving the Democrat Party. And one of her main reasons she cited was that they're re-racializing America and racializing every last subject. So why, you ask, would the radical left want to equate Americanism with whiteness? Because, And here's the reason. Cultural Marxists look for friction points in a society in order to foment anger and ultimately a revolution. And there are deep wounds around the issue of race in America, and understandably so. It is our great sin as a nation. America failed to live up to its own ideals of all men are created equal. The most glaring example being slavery, of course, but also the hundred years following slavery in which systemic racism continued to segregate and discriminate against black people in America, especially in the Democrat South. And of course, people still experience racism even today because racism is as old as humankind and will always exist to some extent because we are fallen beings in need of a savior. So by shifting their argument against Americanism to an argument against whiteness, Right, the cultural Marxists, the woke left, can tap into a reservoir of re- racial resentment and old racial wounds. That's why, by the way, uh, the woke and increasingly the Democrat Party never stop replaying America's racist past. In fact, in my DEI training, the first thing our DEI instructor said, who was a man named Glenn Singleton from Courageous Conversations, which should be called Cor- coercive conversations, he showed us a map of America pre-arrival of Columbus and told us that racism didn't exist on the continent until Europeans came. Because in his mind, only white people can be racist. And I immediately raised my hand and I said, so no indigenous people were ever racist towards each other? Really? And he brushed that question aside, as it was not useful to engage me on that, especially right in the beginning of the coursework. In any case, the DEI folks would like us to live in the past and pretend that there's been no racial progress whatsoever. Because if they were to admit that America has made any real racial progress, their arguments, which are almost all based in racial resentment, would collapse. They just would collapse. But there's another reason the left wants to equate Americanism with whiteness it allows them to control people. For instance, any black person who embraces American values, individualism, strong work ethic, small government, the importance of the nuclear family, espouses Christianity, or God forbid votes Republican, that black individual will be said to be acting white and embracing whiteness or white supremacy culture. He or she will be accused of being a sellout, an Uncle Tom, or as Joe Biden said to black Americans before the 2020 election, that you ain't black if you have trouble deciding between me or Trump. Or another example would be when the LA Times editorial page called black Republican candidate Larry Elder quote, the black face of white supremacy. Yes, they really said this about a black man who was running against a lily white boy named Gavin Newsom. So ironic. So the whiteness slash white supremacy slur becomes a powerful tool to check black people who won't heal to the radical left and who instead embrace Americanism and ultimately become successful as so many black Americans do. In fact, people don't even know this, but there are over 30,000 black millionaires in America. If black people were, their, black Americans were their own nation, they'd be the 15th richest nation in the world. So there's been tremendous success and progress uh, in the black community in America, but the woke left can't have that. Black people being pro-American and succeeding are a problem for their narrative of America being an oppressive, horrible country. So out comes the charge of white supremacy, even against black people. Imagine that. And this again shows that whiteness isn't just about skin color. It's about Americanism. Indeed, accusations of whiteness can be used to control black people and all people of color. But in fact, you can even use this accusation of whiteness and white supremacy to control. Yes, and especially this is true. You can control white people. Because you can use this concept to guilt and shame white people. This is a devious and brilliant move by the, we- the left, I have to admit. Because if you're a nice person at all, and you're told that whiteness is this form of privilege that you possess, a form of capital, capital if you will, a sort of e-ticket slash carpool lane that has been handed to you on a platter and simply by having low melanin levels and embracing quote white cultural values you are guaranteed to accrue unearned benefits while your black neighbor will be marginalized held back and discriminated against simply for having dark skin well this plays on white guilt in a powerful way and makes white people easy to manipulate. Now, white Americans really shouldn't be easily manipulated by this charge of whiteness, white privilege, and white supremacy, because while systemic racism and things like white privilege are historically true in America, for the most part, they are not presently true. In other words, no white person enjoys privilege in applying for most jobs today. No white person is privileged when they apply for most colleges today. No white person is currently advantaged when seeking promotion in most corporations today. In the past, yes, white privilege and white supremacy certainly existed. But today, the privilege lies in many instances in being a person of color or being a member of some other marginalized group. The last thing you want to be right now is a white heteronormative male. Everyone knows it. There's no persistent, obvious privilege in being white today. In fact, it's often a liability in many cases In other words, this charge of white privilege and whiteness being a fast track to unearned success is a canard cynically used to stoke resentment in black people and foment guilt in white people, which can be used to coerce white people, especially progressive white people who see themselves as more empathetic, moral people who are prone to virtue signaling to prove it. The last thing... Any progressive wants to be guilty of, or any white person for that matter, is having a case of the whiteness. And thanks to DEI, all this anti-whiteness stuff is having the effect of making it cool for white people to bash whiteness. And yes, other white people. Because they want to make sure that they don't get labeled with the dreaded term whiteness. So they too start loudly condemning whiteness. And I see these posts on LinkedIn all the time, which only fuels and legitimizes more white bashing, which is dangerous. And I'm really worried, and I, this is where I, I want to get to today, is I'm really worried where this is heading. And and I think more people groups, not just white people, right, should be very, very worried about where all this whiteness talk is headed. Like Jewish people, for instance, who often get lumped in with white folks, this will get directed at them. But even Asians, which are increasingly being encouraged to jump on the anti-whiteness train, I think particularly because Asians prove that the whole theory of whiteness is pure bunk, since they have the highest median income in America of any people group, which would be impossible if this were truly a white supremacist country. Here's my point. Once you open this racial Pandora's box, there is no telling where it will get directed next. Now, I will just say, I wish the woke progressive Democrat party would just be honest and just admit they dislike the American system. You know, just make the case against America and Americanism instead of calling it quote unquote whiteness. And while you're at it, show us the better system, the superior values and the country that we should be aiming to model after. But the left can't, of course. Every time the cultural Marxists succeed in fomenting a revolution, they never know what to do after the revolution has occurred. Radical leftists know how to deconstruct, but they don't know how to construct anything. They don't know how to build anything. The truth is, the communist socialist model fails every time. So rather than make a case against Americanism, the woke left instead opts for stoking racial division with this term whiteness. In doing so, They turn our gaze inwards and backwards looking, fixating Americans on the racial wounds of our past rather than focusing on our real racial progress and our shared future. And this is a very cynical and subversive shift in the argument from the left, from anti-Americanism to anti-whiteness. And it has a real cost. It's turning white into a pejorative. Having white skin is becoming something people are made to feel ashamed of or something to feel guilty about. And it's giving the woke the license to demonize those with white skin and do so quite publicly. After all, if all white people are oppressors and are supposedly privileged simply for being white, then why wouldn't people of color harbor resentment towards them? And I'm starting to see very dangerous rhetoric being mainstream, statements like abolishing whiteness which are becoming commonplace and sound an awful lot like abolishing white people. And if you don't believe me, I googled whiteness, and here's some of the headlines that immediately came up, and I'll provide the links in the show notes. Uh, The first headline that popped up that I noticed on the very first page is, Whiteness is a Disease. This immediately popped up as a headline when I googled it. Uh, The Journal of America Uh, Sorry. The Journal of American Psychoanalytic Association has officially declared, quote, whiteness to be a parasitic pathology that has no known cure. Algeriza says abolishing whiteness has never been more urgent. Uh, Another headline says UC Berkeley professor told students abolishing whiteness means wiping out white people. According to University of California Berkeley professor Zeus Leonardo, we must eradicate white people. Uh, Check this out. This is a paper from our taxpayer-funded government, National Library of Medicine. That's right. You pay for this, which says it's the world's largest biomedical library. It has a paper uh, by Donald Moss entitled, quote, on having whiteness. Uh, And he says this about whiteness. Here's what Donald Moss has to say. Whiteness is a condition one first acquires and then one has. A malignant parasitic-like condition to which, quote, white people have a particular susceptibility. Because remember, you don't have to be white to have contracted the dreaded whiteness, as I told you. Donald Moss goes on. The condition whiteness is foundational, generating characteristic ways of being in one's body, in one's mind, and in one's world. Parasitic whiteness renders its hosts, appetites voracious, insatiable, and perverse. These deformed appetites particularly target non-white peoples. Once established, these appetites are nearly impossible to eliminate. Wow. Uh, White people sound like they're racist zombies, according to Donald Moss, whose paper is featured in our taxpayer-funded National Library of Medicine. But like I said, this anti-whiteness rhetoric, which, let's face it, is just plain old anti-white racism, is becoming commonplace on social media channels like LinkedIn and increasingly in corporate spaces thanks to DEI. And I believe this kind of anti-white racialized rhetoric will lead to more workplace discrimination, racial scapegoating, and eventually very real violence against white people in America. Recently, um, I live in Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, this is like, I think back in September 7th, uh, early September, Some young black men just went out to kill white people and they announced it on Instagram. In fact, uh, they killed four white people. And I personally think we'll see more of this. I know that's anecdotal, uh, but I think we're going to see more of this uh, because when we keep telling people that white people are your oppressor, I just think that inevitably we're going to end up with crimes like this. And one other point about this charge of whiteness and white privilege, and I just want to point this out, you can't keep telling young white men that they are privileged, or how they must admit to being part of white supremacy culture when they are routinely denied jobs and promotions simply for their skin color. This is gaslighting. And my fear is there's going to be an ugly backlash, a feedback loop of racial resentment and racial retribution that will rip this country apart, deepening our racial wounds rather than healing them. Of course, that's what the woke cultural Marxists want. They want division. Stoking racial animosity is the perfect way to achieve division and help destabilize society. So I want to wrap up here. I believe we must reject this notion of quote-unquote whiteness. Jesus said this, and it couldn't be more applicable to this moment we are living through in America. He said this, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. America cannot continue like this. Mainstreaming and normalizing bigotry in our society and institutions like corporate America, it just cannot keep going on like this. And so I call on the ad agency world, corporate leaders in all Fortune 500 companies and employees of good faith or anyone whose conscience is violated by all this anti-white racialized rhetoric that is so suddenly ascendant in corporations and in the culture at large. I call on you to speak out Find the courage to speak out against this before it is too late. We all have a responsibility to oppose racism of any kind, especially when it comes from those claiming to be about racial reconciliation, i.e. our diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants and heads of diversity within corporations. We need to recognize what is happening. We were told... DEI was supposed to be about racial reconciliation, but in a short amount of time, it's introducing and condoning blatant anti-white racism. And once this racism is loosed and corporately sanctioned, as is happening in DEI initiatives in companies across the country, there's no telling how this racial animus will get directed next or who it will target next. I'm very worried about where we are heading. We need to speak out against it now before it's too late before we sacrifice this great experiment in self-government and the only multiracial superpower to ever exist and instead trade it all for divisive racial lies lies that will end in tears for everyone regardless of skin color because the truth is this American project and the American values that embody it they're available to anyone who chooses to embrace them American values are not white, as the woke academics claim. Values don't have a color, they're just values. And we can either embrace our American values, even though we do sometimes fall short of living up to them, or we can walk away from them entirely and choose the divisive, woke, racialized values that will lead to racial hatred that we're increasingly seeing, and perhaps even a violent revolution. And then into what? Well, if history offers us any lessons, what it'll lead to is a top-down, authoritarian, statist, socialistic system, like communism, that truly oppresses all people, a system that has never worked anywhere in the world it's ever been tried. It's my prayer that Americans of good faith, of all colors and creeds, will defend America's values and ideals, and together we recommit to living up to them and opposing this new anti-white language and anti-white hate Re-racializing America is not the answer. Moving beyond color to see the inner person and celebrating our common American humanity and identity is the solution. The American way of life, despite its many flaws, is a beacon of hope to the world, attracting people of all colors to our shores who dream of taking part of this imperfect American project. No one owns our common American values. They are our shared inheritance, regardless of our ethnicity or skin color. Thanks for joining the AdWoke podcast. Until next time, remember, you're not crazy, they are.